0: So it went up from thingy-hot with him. Abraham had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and in gold. And from the Negev he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai where his tent had been earlier and where he had first built an altar. There Abraham called on the name of the Lord. Now Lot, who was moving about with Abraham, also had flocks and herds and tents. But the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abraham's herdsmen and the herdsmen of Lot. The Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in this land at that time. So Abraham said to Lot, Let's not have any quarreling between you and me, between your herdsmen and mine, for we're brothers. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot looked up and he saw that the whole plain of the Jordan was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt toward Zor. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. The two men parted company. Abraham lived in the land of Canaan while Lot lived among the cities of the plain. And he pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. The Lord said to Abraham after Lot had parted from him, Lift up your eyes from where you are and look upon the north and the south, upon the east and west. All the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. I'll make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go walk through the length and breadth of the land, from I'm giving it to you. So Abraham moved his tents. He went to live near the trees of Mamre at Hebron, and there he built an altar to the Lord. I'm not quite sure that there is one verse out of this chapter that can be used as a text. However, there is one verse that I lift up for your special consideration, for it relates to the thought or idea I desire to share with you this day. In the 11th verse, the writer said, Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east. Today and next Sunday, I want us to look at two of the greatest contrasts of character and of human nature in the entirety of the Scripture, and in reality, the entirety of all literature. This morning we are going to take a look at the contrast between two individuals, a man by the name of Abraham and a man by the name of Lot. Next Sunday morning we are going to look at the contrast between uh, the disciple of our Lord, St. Peter, and the other disciple, Judas, is carried. Now as we come to look at the life of these two men, the, the, the uh, contrast between their individual lives, we see first of all in the life of Abraham and Lot, the real contrast between what I choose to call satisfaction in life as contrasted with the disappointment and frustration that we so often experience in our own lives. Next, Next Sunday, as we look at the life of Peter and of Judas, we'll look at the contrast between success and failure. However, in our scripture lesson this morning, we have read what is to me one of the truly interesting stories of the Old Testament. The story begins with Abraham and Lot, a young man and an older man, Both of them having enjoyed the blessings and prosperity of God in an almost equal sort of way. For the writer said that Abraham was indeed a wealthy man in that he had large herd of cattle and large herd of sheep. He enjoyed a great supply of silver and of gold and he had experienced all of the blessings God had to offer an individual who lived faithfully and performed his duty in the way in which God asked him to live and perform. However, as we look at the life of Lot, we see also here's a young man who was blessed in much the same way Abraham had been blessed. He too enjoyed a sense of prosperity in that his herds were large, equally as large as Abraham's. He too had a great supply of silver and gold. He too enjoyed the sense of blessing and prosperity which a man of faith and a man of devotion in that day was privileged to enjoy. However, the story begins to divide at this point and we see uh, a little bit of contrast beginning to set in and take place. One day it appeared that the land in which they were living was not able to uh, satisfy the requirements of all of their, uh, of all of their herds. There simply wasn't, no, wasn't enough grass, there wasn't enough water to go around. And as is so often the case where uh, conditions become crowded, The servants of Abraham and the servants of Lot, the hired people, so to speak, began to argue among themselves which one of them were going to have the blessings, which one was going to use the the grass and the water, and which one was going to give way to the others. You could sense the quarreling as it began to take place, and Abraham, being the older and wiser of the two, called his young nephew Lot to him, and he said, Now, son... We don't want to get into a big quarrel among ourselves. We don't want to be fussing and fighting the rest of our life over the division of of the land as it is. He said, I think the time has come when we need to separate ourselves. I said, I want you to look at the land itself. I want you to see what is there. And I want you to decide which part you want and which part you will give yourself and which will become yours. Then he said, I'll take the rest. You can look on the left, he said, and you see all of the land as it's there. You can look on the right and see land as it is there and and see the advantages of both sections. When you have made your decision, he said, you go to the left and I'll go to the right. You go to the right and I'll go to the left. The choice is yours. And it is at this point in time where we begin to note the contrast in the lives of these two individuals and where we begin to see the lesson as it applies to your experience and mine. For the writer said, Lot looked out and he saw the fertile plain of the Jordan River. He saw it in all of its prosperity. He saw the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. He saw all of the clamor and excitement as well as the thrill of the open lights. And he said, this is the way in which I want to spend the rest of my life. So he said to the old man, you go your way. And he said, I'll take this land around the Jordan River. I'll take the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. I will move my family into a society already established And we will begin here and now to build ourselves for the future. Abraham said, that's all right. You go your way and I'll go mine. And out of this lesson, out of this experience, there are four ideas or thoughts that I call to your consideration as we think of the way in which we can discover for ourselves the sense of satisfaction life has to offer. The first of these is simply this, if we would enjoy any degree of satisfaction, we must learn to distinguish somewhere along the way between the near view and the distant view. If you will look carefully at the story, you realize that Lot looked no further than the end of his nose. He saw only those things that were immediately available for his life and for his enjoyment and for his satisfaction. He felt that he could establish his family best of all in a land that was already established in cities that were already built. He didn't think about the things that were going to happen out in the future. He didn't think of the difficulty they may encounter in moving into an alien society as far as their beliefs and principles were concerned. He didn't think about all of the difficulties they might face or the price he might have to pay. He simply saw that which was immediately available. And he said, this is the way in which I intend, this is the place in which I intend to spend the rest of my life. And these are the things I intend to enjoy. And so he looked simply at those things that were immediately available without ever stopping to think about ultimately the price he might have to pay or the problems he might face or the sorrows and heartaches and regrets he might be called to encounter as a result of the decision that he'd made. And so it is that so often in life, when we are faced with choices ourselves, when decisions have to be made, the great tragedy for many of us is that we base our decisions only on those things that we can see without ever looking into the unknown, without ever looking into the future and realizing that there are things farther away that need to be taken into consideration. Let me illustrate it in this way. One morning, I, one Monday morning, I guess it was, I picked up the New daily newspaper. And on the front page, there were three headline stories regarding individuals that I either knew in a personal sort of way or knew by reputation. And each of these recalled an incident in their life in which they were paying a price they never really thought they were going to have to pay. One of them had risen to a place of prominence in the school system in which he was involved, having been elected to the highest office of the county in which he lived. But somewhere along the way, he had felt that he could gain a little bit himself by taking uh, things that, that seemed so readily available without ever stopping to think about the price he'd have to pay or the consequences he'd face in the future. The other was about a football coach in our state who had enjoyed a rather prestigious position and certainly a commendable reputation because of his one lost record. And yet because of a momentary indiscretion, he faced the ouster of his job never again to enjoy the thing for which he had prepared himself and the glamour and and thrill that goes with a winning season and the molding and developing of the lives of young people. The other was a similar incident of a businessman who had had failed to realize that there were consequences to be faced and thought only of the gratuities of the moment without ever thinking of the distant future and ultimately the difficulties he's going to face. How tragic it is when so often our life is shaped by never seeing beyond the end of our nose to the ultimate of life as it unfolds through the development of the years, the passing of time, and the opening of the passageway. Lot could see only the clamor and excitement of the city without ever looking at the sin into which he was moving himself and his family and never really realized that someday he would suffer the bitterest disappointment of an individual because of the decision that he'd made. The second place from the story we see that life satisfaction comes when we contrast the immediate rewards with those which are lasting. Someone once said, Every person must beware of the peril of the shortcut. And yet, all too often, the greatest mistakes we make the greatest mistake we make is to think that we can circumvent some of the difficult realities of life itself. The simple fact is, life is not always going to be as easy as we would like for it to be. There are always going to be hard knocks for us to face. There are going to be difficult challenges for us to encounter. There are going to be problems that have to be solved. There are plans that have to be made for each one of us. All Lot could see was the fact that that he could move from the prosperity he now knew into an even greater prosperity as a result of the cities in which he would live and the fertility of the land on which his herds would spend the rest of their life. Abraham, on the other hand, could see nothing except the development of a nation All he could see was unexplored, undeveloped land that was going to require a lot of work, a lot of hardship, a lot of difficulty. And yet he realized that ultimately the rewards that were lasting were those that would come to him through the price that he paid, through the suffering that he endured through the problems that he solved, and through the land that he was able to develop. And so often, as we view the realities of our own experience, we think how nice it would be if we could take the shortcut around some of the difficulties of life. We have sort of a standing uh, joke in our family uh, between the rest of my family and myself, and that is the fact that I always look for the shortcuts on any trip we ever take. I look for the, the, what seems to be the shortest distance, and inevitably the shortcuts prove to be several miles longer, a lot rougher, and a lot more time involved. I can't learn the lesson. And yet this is the situation we face in so many instances of our life. There are no shortcuts. There are going to be problems in every individual's life. There are going to be things that we have to deal with ourselves. Nobody else can make the decisions for us. Nobody else can chart the course that we are bound to make regardless of how willing they may be. Lot made the mistake of thinking that he could enjoy the immediate rewards and these would be as lasting as those of Abraham. Again, in the story we find that life satisfaction comes out of a willingness on our part to labor and sacrifice as long as labor and sacrifice are necessary in order for us to do the thing we have addressed ourselves to do, in order for us to meet the goals that we have set for ourselves. And enjoy the possibilities that are open to us. I have a friend. I had a friend. He is now dead. But he was a wise old man. And had learned more about life, I suppose, than any other individual I've ever been privileged to know. And he used to say to me as we enjoyed our conversation one way or another. He would say, the universe, Charlie, is no bargain basement. That is to say, whatever you get, you got to work for. Whatever comes to you comes out of the sacrifice that you are willing to make yourself. Things aren't handed to us on a silver platter. They come only when we struggle and when we strive and when we labor and use the resources which God has invested within our life and placed at our disposal. And yet, I think that I can hasten to say the greatest joys in life and the most satisfying experiences of an individual's life are those which have come to us as a result of our labors and our sacrifice. Do you ever look in the face of an athlete as that athlete was awarded a special recognition, a special trophy, a special crown, and see the smile on his face or her face? Do you ever look into the face of certain individuals as they rise to the heights of their profession, their occupation, and enjoy the recognition society gives as a result of the achievements they have made? Do you ever look into the face of some saintly individual who's come to the end of life's journey and lies there up on the beds of affliction with just a few breaths left to breathe or a few days left to live? And in each instance see the feeling of contentment and joy and satisfaction that that face represents because they know that they can say with the Apostle Paul, I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. I have finished the course. Henceforth there is laid up for me, and not for me only, but for all, the crown of life. Look at the story of Abraham and Lot once again. Lot enjoyed momentarily the life in the Jordan plain. He experienced the... the, society and the the joys of social uh, amenities that were found in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And yet one day, that which had begun so brightly ended in doom and destruction. And Lot is remembered for one thing, basically. Basically. That is the simple fact that one day he left the city to which he had gone so willingly. And as he left, because of her unwillingness to let go, the writer said, his wife looked back and became a pillar of salt. On the other hand, you look at the life of Abraham and see the nation as it developed through the devotion and efforts of him as an individual and realize that today you and I sit in the presence of God and enjoy the blessings of God and the results of our faith because through Abraham God brought to us the message of salvation and the life of the Messiah. Certainly it was difficult Certainly it was hard as he carried his herd out into a land where the grass was sparse and the water was scarce. But how rewarding it is and how rewarding it was and satisfying it must have been to journey and realize that through his efforts, the Spirit of God would live from everlasting to everlasting in the heart and soul of the human race and then there's one other thing that I lift up and that is simply this in this story we discover for ourselves the ultimate choice between selfishness and generosity and the story evolves around an old man and his young nephew Abraham had lived to be a, to live to a ripe old age and Lot was just getting started As young men so often do, he looked into the face of Abraham and when given the choice, he thought how shrewd I am. I've tricked the old man. He's going to let me make the first choice and do what I want to do. And he said, there is no doubt in my mind. I'll take the cities. I'll take the fertile ground. The old man doesn't have much longer to live. After all, he's he's used up his life. Mine is yet to be explored. Mine is yet to be experienced. Let him go his way, and I'll go mine. Without ever stopping to realize that the ultimate sin of humanity is selfishness. That the ultimate evil we face is the reality of of our own selfish desires as compared to that which reaches out in generosity to those with whom we live and to him from whom we came. Recently, I read a statement which seems to summarize in the most perfect sort of way the whole truth. The writer says, in the long run, when the full measure of life has been taken there are many things that we will regret but he said in the end we will never regret having made the choice based on generosity never make regret having made a choice based on generosity And in reality, this is a truth which we so often overlook. For we think in terms of what we can possess rather than the way in which we can enrich the world of which we are part. However, with such thinking, we overlook the ultimate truth of our faith, which is simply this. The blessings that we share are returned to us through God's blessing. And God's smile upon the choices and decisions that we've made. You know, the ultimate choice of our faith is that we can never outgive God. In our generosity, in our reaching out, we are blessed by the blessings we share and the gifts we give and the love we bestow upon the life of the human race which is a very real and vital part of our own life and our own experience. No wonder then that we look back across the story of Abraham and of Lot and realize that here were two men facing similar, coming out of similar backgrounds, facing the same choice and the same decision, and realize that one of them, through a giving of himself, has become the foundation on which our faith is built and the guiding light for all that we do, while the other, because of his selfishness, is lost in the passing of time. Heavenly Father, we pray that somehow in our own lives, as we face these choices and decisions, we might experience the gifts of God's love, the guidance and direction that he offers and a willingness to accept these thy gifts, thy guidance, and thy direction for every moment of our own life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.